Hello and welcome to the podcast of First Congregational United Church of Christ in DeWitt, Iowa. I'm Pastor Chris. Today on the podcast, we are keeping it simple again. We'll start out with worship, including a scripture reading, a sermon, and some time for prayer. And then we'll move on to a deeper dive into our scripture reading today from the book of Jeremiah. So that you know what's coming up, next week we will start Advent, that season before Christmas. This is a weird year for Advent because we are back to not really meeting in our sanctuary again. The COVID numbers here in Iowa are kind of terrible. And that also means that we aren't having our usual Wednesday night Advent program. So that's going to be available online, pre-recorded video, and on this podcast starting next week. So that'll be four weeks that we'll spend talking about prayer. Prayer for the world, for the wider church, for the nation, and for our congregation. Thank you for joining us. A quick reminder, as usual, that if you like what you hear, it would be great if you could rate it, review it, and share it so that others can hear it. And with that, let's get started. Let's begin our time of worship today by preparing our minds, our bodies, our spirits, and our spaces for worship by taking three deep breaths. Take one deep breath and become aware of God's presence. Take a second deep breath and be filled with gratitude for this opportunity to be together. Even though we're not in the same place and we're not worshiping at the same time, we are united by one spirit. And take a third deep breath and lay aside any feelings that might stand in the way of being fully present in worship. You might need to pick up those feelings again later, that's okay, but for now, let's lay them aside. And please join me in the spirit of prayer. You, O God, are the maker and ruler of all that is. Your love is steadfast and endures forever. Your faithfulness is to all generations. As we spend this time together in worship, let us know you and teach us to be your people. And as we leave this place, may we go forth with your word calling the world to come to you. Amen. Come and worship the Lord. 
with extravagant gladness. Our reading today is from the book of Jeremiah, and it's a little bit weird. It's going to start with some selections from chapter 36 of Jeremiah, specifically 36, 1 through 8, 21 through 23, and 27 through 28. Then it's going to skip backwards to chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. As always, for our recordings, this is from the nice public domain King James version of the Bible. If you would like to read along with that version or any other version, I invite you to go to BibleGateway.com, where you can find these passages and the whole rest of the Bible in any number of different versions and translations. So with that, here is or here are some selections from the 36th chapter of Jeremiah, followed by Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, And write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou, and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord, and will return every one from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against his people. And Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. So the king sent Jehudai to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudai read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife, and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, after that the king had burned the roll, and the words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim the king of Judah hath burned. 
Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, even though I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it on their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Jeremiah is a prophet, and so far, that hasn't gone well for him. His prophecy isn't complicated. The people have heard it before. God has sent prophet after prophet after prophet with, well, not the same message, but messages on a similar theme. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Judah, you have forsaken the Lord and run after other gods. Your houses are full of treachery. You have grown great and rich and fat and sleek while the orphan suffers and the needy are left with nothing. The very word of the Lord is an object of scorn for you. Surely the Lord will bring retribution for this shredding of the covenant that the Lord so graciously made with you. So repent, return to the Lord, act justly, care for the alien and the orphan and the widow, cease the shedding of innocent blood, cease chasing after other gods. Then the Lord will dwell here with us forever and ever. And if we don't do these things, if we keep walking away from the covenant that the Lord made with us, if we keep going down the road we're on, well, there are other kingdoms and they have swords and spears. And the people in charge do not like Jeremiah. He keeps calling them to walk in the light of the Lord. He keeps talking about orphans and widows. He keeps calling them back to this covenant and they want, well, they want something else. So they tell him to be quiet. They beat him. They arrest him and imprison him. They call for his head and plot to kill him. Because power does not like prophecy. And now we're here. Prophets, as a rule, are not popular. People who echo the prophetic voice, as a rule, are not popular. It's easy to imagine that the long arc of the moral universe bends towards justice and mercy and love in a smooth and sweeping curve. It's easy to imagine that change happens through calm conversations and peaceful protests and demure demonstrations. It's easy to imagine that if we're all just patient enough, we'll all get to the kingdom of God by and by. But the long arc of the moral universe is only smooth and sweeping from a distance. 
the same distance from which we see harmony echoing through the land, the same distance from which we cannot see disease or hungry mouths or anyone in need. But when we zoom in, we can see that the arc of the moral universe is not smooth. It is rough and jagged and cracked. It is stained with the blood of martyrs and dotted with the sepulchres of the prophets. And some of the people who we love now, we hated then. And I know that there is a temptation to keep it cool, to keep it light, to let it go. To see a jagged edge on the long arc of the moral universe, to hear God calling us to the light of the Lord, to see a post talking about orphans and widows, and to hit refresh and forget. But now we're here. Jeremiah has been banned from the temple. He's not allowed to go and speak to the people, and he is absolutely not allowed to go to speak to the people in power. And so the Lord says, write it down. Write down all of the prophecies that I have given you and have someone read them aloud so that the people can hear them and turn from their evil ways. So Jeremiah does that. He recites his prophecy to his friend Baruch, and Baruch writes everything down on a scroll, and Baruch goes out and reads the prophecy to the people. Hear, O Israel, hear, O Judah. And after a while, some of the king's officials hear the prophecies that Baruch is reading. And they take the scroll from him, and they take it to the king, and they read it to him. And as they read it, literally as they read it, as they have it open in front of the king and as they recite the words of prophecy, hear, O Israel, hear, O Judah, the king takes a penknife and cuts bits off the scroll and throws the bits into the fire until he burns the whole scroll because it is not to his liking, because power does not like prophecy. And then the king sits down calmly, and the king says, no one else will ever hear these words. And the king sends people to arrest Jeremiah and Baruch. And the Lord hides Jeremiah, and the Lord hides Baruch, and the Lord says, write it down again. And I have some things to add about this king. I understand the temptation. I understand the temptation to run toward the things that are comfortable and away from the things that are hard. I understand the temptation to run toward the things that affirm our worldview, that tell us that we're okay, that tell us that we're right. I understand the temptation to run away from the things that challenge us, that ask us to look at things a different way, that tell us that we're caught in webs of sin, that tell us that we're wrong. I understand cutting out the bits that we don't like. But here's the thing. 
There were a lot of words on the scroll that the king heard, that the king cut up, that the king threw into the fire, that the king demanded no one else hear, and some of them were these. The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with Israel, and a new covenant with Judah. It won't be like the old covenant that they broke. It won't be like the old covenant that they carelessly cast aside. No, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That is the prophecy. It is the prophecy that we who are Christians see fulfilled in the person of Jesus, the Christ. It is the prophecy that we who are Christians remember when we come to Christ's table and share in his humble feast and remember that on the night he was betrayed, the God who loved the world by coming into it as one of us took the bread, blessed it and broke it and shared it with his friends, saying, This is my body broken for you. And likewise, after dinner he took the cup, blessed it, and shared it with his friends, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. And that is the covenant that we who are Christians believe God has made, not just with Israel and Judah, but with the whole world, with all of us. It is a covenant of reconciliation, of salvation, of liberation, of redemption, of new and abundant life. And it is the prophecy of that covenant, the promise of that covenant that the king, in his rush to keep his comfort, in his rush to preserve his power, cut up and threw into the fire. I understand the temptation to run toward the comfortable, especially in these strange and difficult times, but the truth is that we have grown far too comfortable with things that aren't actually comfortable, with things that aren't comfortable for others, with things that rely on the discomfort of others, and with things that aren't really even comfortable for us. Far too often, we simply accept the comforts and power of a world awash in sin. And far too often, we resist the call to step into the world that God has created for us, because that step is hard. It is wild and dangerous and full of grace. But there is good news. After the king cut up the scroll and threw the bits into the fire, the Lord simply had Jeremiah and Baruch write another one. It contained all of the words of the first scroll and many similar words as well, and it, it wasn't great for the king. But that prophecy, that promise was still there. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. It won't be like the old one. It will be written on the hearts of the people. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will know me. I will forgive their iniquity and forget their sin. No matter how many times we run, 
No matter how many times we turn aside, no matter how often we try to keep our comforts and preserve our power, that promise of something better is still there. God still loves us. God still calls us. God still invites us into abundant life. And yes, the journey is long. And yes, some of the steps are hard. And yes, it involves questioning every bit of power we have. But compared to the kingdom of God, the comforts of this world are nothing. And following Christ into that kingdom is worth it. God is loving us. God is calling us. God is inviting us. Thanks be to God. Please join me in a moment of silent reflection. And please join me in the spirit of prayer. Gracious God, whose love is steadfast, we know that there are times when we turn away from you. We know that there are times when we avoid your word, when we avoid your call. We know that there are times when we seek out the comforts of this world. And we know that there are times when we grow well-adjusted to the comforts of this world. And yet, we also know, we also have faith, that this world is not the world that you intend that the power of this world is fleeting, that the comforts of this world are really kind of uncomfortable. And we know that it is not a sign of good health to be well-adjusted to a sick and sinful world. It is not a good thing to be well-adjusted to a broken world. So, let us hear your voice. Let us hear your call. Let us be prepared to walk away from the comforts of this world and into the comforts of your kingdom. Let us open up brave spaces. Let us do difficult things. And let us come home to you to true comfort and true peace. We know that there are many of us who are struggling right now. It is hard to be in the world in this time. And so we ask you to hear not only that prayer which we have spoken aloud, but to hear us as we take a moment 
for silent prayer. Gracious God, we have faith that you hear us, that you hear those prayers we speak aloud, that you hear those prayers we make in silence, that you even hear those prayers we keep so deep in our hearts we don't even know that they're there. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Hear our prayers, O Christ. Grant us your comfort, grant us your peace, and let us know your presence in all things. And hear us as we pray the prayer that your Son, our Savior, taught to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So I think I said in the last episode a couple of weeks ago that we were moving from the more history narrative parts of the Old Testament to the prophetic books. And we did that in a weird way. We started the prophetic books with Jonah, which is a book about a prophet, a guy who gets a one sentence mention in Second Kings, but it's not really a prophetic book. And last week, when we didn't have a podcast episode, we spent our time in worship with Isaiah, and today we have a reading from Jeremiah. So we are now firmly hanging out with some prophets. So some things to know about prophets. First, a prophet is a spokesperson. We often think about prophecy as the art of telling the future. Some TV shows, right, have a a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled. And it's always something that was said in the past about the future. But biblical prophets, well, they sometimes do tell the future. But the real focus of being a prophet is delivering a message from God to the people. So when we read the prophetic books, we don't really want to ask What was this prophet predicting about today? Instead, we want to ask, what was the prophet telling the people then? And how does it apply to us now? Second, there are a bunch of biblical prophets. Traditionally, there are 55 prophets named in the Old Testament, but that that doesn't mean that there are only 55 prophets total. It's just that those prophets were recorded because their messages mattered beyond their own context. 
And in addition, of course, not all 55 get their own books. And Judaism and Christianity divide the books that some of the prophets get up differently. So in Judaism, there are kind of these three divisions of prophets. There are the former prophets, the books of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. There are the latter prophets, the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And there are the twelve or the 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those 12 minor ones have to share one book. In Christianity, we put those former prophets in with the historical books and divide the prophetic books into the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and then have the same minor prophets that there are in Judaism, and they each get their own book. And that that major and minor, that's not about how important those prophets are. It's just about how long the books are. The major prophets have big, long books, and the minor prophets have little, short ones. And today we're in Jeremiah one of the major prophets. It is a long book. It's 52 chapters, but the gist and the context is this. You might remember that the United Kingdom of Israel, the one that Saul, David, and Solomon ruled over, split into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. There are disputes, but let's say that that happened in the late 10th century before the Common Era. In the late 8th century, remember, we're before the Common Era, so dates go backwards. The lower they are, the later they are. The northern kingdom of Israel is conquered by Assyria. The tribes who live there are deported, and those tribes disappear from history. Maybe, kind of. Things don't go a whole lot better in Judah. Not long after Israel is conquered by Assyria, Judah becomes a client state of Assyria. But in the late 7th century, Assyria starts to crumble, and Judah, along with some other client states, revolt. This is where Jeremiah comes onto the scene. And the big theme of Jeremiah's prophecy is the importance of being faithful to God alone by keeping the covenant that God had made with Israel, with the Israelites, when when God led them out of Egypt. And how failure to do that, how failure to keep that covenant will end in disaster. And that might sound obvious, but the prophets tend to exist in this tension between official, royally sanctioned temple worship and real obedience to the covenant. That means kind of two things. First, basically, if there's a choice between making a sacrifice at the temple and doing justice and standing up for the oppressed and all of that stuff, the prophets say, do justice and stand up for the oppressed and all of that stuff. And sometimes the prophets say that maybe that temple stuff is distracting us from doing justice and standing up for the oppressed and all of that 
stuff that if we can just go and make sacrifices that if we can just go and worship at the temple that that becomes a way of getting out of doing the other things we're supposed to do so unsurprisingly the folks who are in charge of official royally sanctioned temple worship do not like this message so there's a bit of the book a bit of the book of Jeremiah that's that's about how miserable the people in power are making life for the prophet Jeremiah. All right, so the king of Judah, Josiah, revolts against the Assyrians, tries to liberate Judah, and tries to take some of the land of Israel back, that kingdom to the north, and dies at the hands of Assyria's ally, Egypt, which was also a client state of the Assyrians. The Egyptians then depose Josiah's son Jehoahaz and replace him with his brother Jehoiakim, and Jeremiah keeps preaching. Okay, so now the Neo-Babylonian Empire rises to replace the Assyrian Empire, and now Judah is stuck in the middle of two big powers who are fighting and trying to get control of the area that Judah is in. Egypt on one side and the Neo-Babylonian Empire on the other. Jehoiakim keeps switching allegiances, and eventually the Babylonians have had enough. They invade Judah, kill Jehoiakim, and take Jerusalem, and they install Zedekiah, Jehoiakim's other brother, as the king of their new vassal state. And they deport a bunch of people, and Jeremiah keeps preaching. After a while, Zedekiah tries to revolt against Babylon. The Babylonians respond by coming back into Judah, destroying Jerusalem, destroying the temple, exiling the Judean people, and putting an end to an independent Judah, period. This is the start of the Babylonian exile. And during all of this stuff with Babylon, with the Neo-Babylonian Empire... Jeremiah is telling these kings, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, to just be subject to Babylon. And it's kind of a way of saying that this is the punishment for failing to follow the covenant. And that there's hope at the end of this, but that the only way out is through. But of course, the kings don't listen to Jeremiah, and in the end, he goes off to Egypt and probably dies there, still pleading with people to return to the covenant. So I know that that is a lot. But the really important thing here is that, that Jeremiah is preaching while international politics are chaotic and while the position of Judah in those politics is in question. And his message starts with, follow the covenant, focus there and you'll be fine. And maybe that could have worked out where there would be Egypt on one side and the Neo-Babylonian Empire on the other and an independent Judah in the middle. But of course, people didn't listen to Jeremiah and things ended up not being fine. And people didn't follow the covenant. 
at least Jeremiah doesn't think that they followed the covenant, and things ended up not being fine. And so Jeremiah's message shifted to, there is still hope, and someday there will be a new covenant, and the way out is through. And I'm not going to draw a big lesson from that. I'm just going to say that that's the context for our reading today, when a king disposes of Jeremiah's prophecy, and when we hear some notes of hope for a better day. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, please remember to rate, review it, and share it with others so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ and get to know our little community here in DeWitt a little bit better. As a reminder, next week we'll be back to having kind of a main segment, and that will be based on our Advent program, such as it is in these strange times. So we'll spend some time praying and talking about prayer and learning about prayer. You can learn more about First Congregational United Church of Christ on our website, uccdewitt.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can reach me, Pastor Chris, by emailing pastor at uccdewitt.org, and you can let us know about the podcast and make suggestions by emailing podcast at uccdewitt.org. Our music includes Funkarama by Kevin McLeod and Gymnopedi No. 1 and Gymnopedi No. 2 by Eric Satie, performed by Kevin McLeod. Thank you again for joining us. I'll talk to you next time. And with that, the days that were coming are here. God has made a new covenant with the world and welcomed us into his kingdom. We know the Lord and the Lord knows us. Our iniquities are forgiven. Our sins are forgotten. Thanks be to God. As we leave this time together, may we live in the freedom that Christ has granted us. As we go out into the world, may we live with God's love written on our hearts. May we be God's people, sharing the good news of God's love to the ends of the earth. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs>